Our text this morning is taken from the Old Testament. It's from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. It reads as follows. Now Naaman was a commander in the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel said, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Arbana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the rivers of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. That's our text. In the name of Jesus, amen. He was hot, and he was tired, and he was ill. And when the prophet told him to go and dip in the river seven times, he was mad. After all, he's a general in the Syrian army. He's a great man in his own country. He has done many great things. Besides that, he has come hundreds and hundreds of miles to get here. He expected something better than he was receiving. He, because of who he was, expected a lot of attention. He expected that the prophet, this man would come out and see him and talk to him. He would pray a mighty prayer to his God. He would wave his hand over his leprous spots and they would be gone. And he would be on his way a healed man. Now this, go and dip 
in a muddy river seven times. It just didn't make any sense, and he was angry, and he was ready to go back home. His soldiers, though, uh, talked to him, and they had a little more sense than he did at this point, and so he talked him into going and at least trying. And he went down to the river, and he dipped seven times, and he found what he had come for. In his obedience, he found healing. Our text is quite a story, quite a story. Is one of those scriptural stories that is filled with all kinds of color, the hues of life. In it we see joy and sorrow. We see success and failure. We see pride and humility. In it we see God reaching into the lives of people, but we also see God permitting heart-rending tra tragedy. We see God openly at work, and you can see it, but we can also see here God hidden, working in ways that man does not see. We see here both the mysteries of God life and also the contradictions of life. And that's what we want to pay attention to this, this morning and look at it very carefully. And I pray God's blessing upon my speaking and your hearing. One of the first things we want to note as we look at this is this. In this story, we see a caring and promising God. Naaman was a general in the Syrian army. He had accomplished much. He had worked hard. He was regarded in his own country with, as, as just a, a great, great man. But something terrible had happened. At the very apex of his career, when everything is going good and everything is looking good, suddenly he is diagnosed with leprosy. And he is devastated by this, devastated by this. How could this be? How could he work so hard and come so far for it to end in this way. Well, there was a young lady in his household, a slave to his wife. She was a teenage girl. She had been captured by marauding soldiers and brought back here. And she says to her, mister, to her mistress that uh, there is a man down in Israel who can cure leprosy. And she's quite sure that if her master went down, that he could be cured. She was quite, quite sure of this. I'll just stop here for a moment and look at this young lady because she's really quite a remarkable young lady. She's a young lady whose, God, whose heart has been touched by God in a very special way. She's concerned about her master. And as you listen to her words, she is... She's got a heart of compassion. She's got a heart of love. She's got a heart of, of sympathy. My goodness. All of that evidence, of course, that her heart has been touched by a very caring God. You know, she has every reason to be other than this. She has every reason to be hateful. She has every reason to be filled with self-pity. She has every reason to be resentful. My goodness. She has every reason to feel good on the inside when she hears that her master, who has brought her as a slave, is now going to die a terrible death. That could have been her reaction. But it wasn't. Now for a moment, think of what she'd been through. My goodness, she'd been taken captive by marauding soldiers. Probably raped by those soldiers, because that was as true in those days as it is now. She had been wrenched away from her home, she and family, or her country. She had been taken to a foreign land. She'd been in the slave market. 
She had been bought, brought to this family. My, everything near and dear to her had been taken away except her faith. Except her faith. And what a faith it must have been. That she had been through what she had been through. And yet, she doesn't question the presence of God. She doesn't, present, she doesn't question the love of God. She's not saying, God, where are you? Even though she's been in the valley, she has experienced the presence of God. She has experienced the goodness of God. And she has realized that she has come through what she has come through, step by step, only because God has been with her. She's like Joseph was in, the old, in Genesis. She's like Daniel is going to be after her. My, what a faith she must have that she has received from God the strength and the courage to come through all that she has come through, and yet she still has this caring and loving heart, which is evidence that she is close to a caring and loving God. But not only is she a remarkable young lady because of her faith, she's also a remarkable young lady because of her witness. I mean, it's a bold witness. It's a witness to her faith. It's a witness to her God. It's a witness to the prophet. My. And there's no hesitation. There's no equivocation. None of that. She is sure. She is sure that her God can heal, can heal leprosy. And she is sure that her God will heal even a man outside the faith, a Gentile. She realizes that that's how big God's grace is. And she is sure that even God will heal an enemy general. Because that's how great her God is. And you put all of that together, and what you see in her is God's caring and God's promises, all of those things. And you see this too, how God touches the life of an ordinary teenage girl and then touches through her all kinds of people and is still doing that today through her story. But not only do we see a caring and promising God here, we also see a proud and struggling man, a proud and struggling man. Naaman <clears throat> takes the information that he's got from this young girl and he goes to the king and he gets from the king a... a, a a word of recommendation. And he's to go down now and, and go to Israel. And uh, he does that. He gets this letter of recommendation. And he travels down to Israel. And he comes to the house of Elisha. And what a picture it is. Picture this in your mind now. But the Bible says he comes with a huge entourage. You see, he comes with soldiers and chariots and dignitaries. And they're all coming now. And they pull up in front of the house of Elisha. And he's bringing with him now this tremendous reward. You put all together what it tells you there, the gold and the shekels, and that amounts to about a million two hundred thousand dollars in our money today. And he pulls up here, and he, of course, is expecting lots of attention, like I said in the beginning. He's a general. He's well known in his, in his area. He has accomplished much in terms of warfare already, and so he's expecting lots of attention. And Elisha doesn't even come out to him. Elisha sends his servant out to him. 
And he says, if you want to be cured, go down to the Jordan River and dip in the river seven times. And this infuriates this man. He's quite sure that the rivers in Syria are just as good as the Jordan River. And he's going to go back to Syria and he is in a rage and he begins to leave. And his servants and the soldiers around him then corner him and they say, come on. Come on, think about this. Now, if the prophet had said to you, do this great thing and do this and do this and he said to you to do something really big, you'd have, gone through the effort, you'd have gone through every effort to do what he says. Now he tells you to do something quite simple and you don't want to do it. And they talk to him and they talk to him and finally they convince him that he at least should try this. And he consents. And encourage now goes down to the Jordan River, down to the shore, the banks. So you have all these horses and the soldiers and the government dignitaries, and they head to the river. What a picture there is here. What a picture there is here. What you see here is a proud man struggling. And what he's struggling with is the simple ways of a caring and promising God. Let me say that again. You have a proud man here struggling with the simple, promising ways of God. A cure for leprosy in a muddy river doesn't make sense. Dipping seven times doesn't make sense. And it is humiliating to have to walk out into a river and dip down in order to find cure doesn't make sense. And my goodness, what if it doesn't work? Man, what a fool he would look like with all these soldiers and everyone here on the bank. Wouldn't he look like a fool? It is so humiliating. Doesn't make sense. Think of that for a moment. The simple, caring promises of God often don't make sense. To splash water on the head of a baby and say words like in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and believe that in that moment God himself comes into the life of that child and brings blessings like forgiveness and new life and heaven. That doesn't make sense. It is so simple. And because it is so simple, and it doesn't really make sense, there's lots of people who reject that, won't bring their babies, because it doesn't make sense. What about this? We come here, and we kneel. The pastor gives us a little piece of bread and a little sip of wine. And he says, this is the body of your Lord Christ. This is the blood of your Lord Christ. And in receiving this bread and wine and in and with it body and blood, we are receiving forgiveness and assurance of heaven and strength for living in the Lord. And this very simple receiving a piece of bread and a sip of wine, all of that, doesn't make sense. Or 
You're looking for strength to carry, in, to carry your burdens. Or you're looking for peace to calm your heart. Or you're looking for assurance to quiet your worries. Or you're looking for comfort in your sorrow. Or you're looking for courage in your fears. Or you're looking for healing from the wounds that life has inflicted. You're looking for newness in your marriage. And the Lord says to you, come and dip in the river. The river of his word. The river of his promises. The, wither, the, the water of his of worship. The water of church. And coming together with God's people. Doesn't make sense. But all of that is in that very simple, in the, you receive in a very simple way. Or this, we are separated from God by our sin. But the answer to that, and reconciliation renewal, is to be found a man bangled, mangled, and bloody, and beaten, and hanging on a cross. The answer to new life and what life is all about in eternity is in that man. And the evidence of it is in an empty tomb. And that really doesn't make sense. And yet God says, believe and trust. And that will be yours. That's so simple. It doesn't make sense. So that man in his pride will reject all of that and think that somehow he must earn his way and will do all kinds of things rejecting the simple to have what would be given to him if he would simply believe and trust. My, all of this, what you see here is proud man struggling with the simple ways of a caring God. And it goes on today, even in our own lives and in the church. Not only do we see a caring and promising God and a proud and struggling man, but we also see here an obedient man and a giving God. An obedient man and a giving God. And once again, imagine the scene. They're down here on the bank of the river. And along here are the chariots and the soldiers and the dignitaries and all of these people lined up. And here's this great general General MacArthur, who has done so much. Now he's to wade out into this muddy river by himself and dip down in the water. And he feels like a fool, and he's thinking, this is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. And yet, the soldiers say, go on. So he goes out into the middle of the river. And he dips down under the water. And he comes up. And he wipes the water away from his eyes. And he looks. Nothing yet. He's thinking that probably this will gradually go away. So he dips down a second time. Down, then up and out. And then a third time. And he looks at his hand. Nothing. 
and a fourth time, down and up. What if it doesn't work? Good gracious, it is so humiliating. What if it doesn't work? I'll be the talk of all of Syria. They'll say, what a fool he was to believe such a crazy promise. Five times, nothing. Six times, nothing. One more time. And he is scared. What if nothing happens? But he goes down into the water and up and out. And then the Bible says it this way. His flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And immediately, suddenly, the dignity is gone and the military bearing is gone and Naaman comes stumbling out of that river, hooping and hollering, praising God. That's how it ends. What a picture, huh? Well, what we see there is an obedient man and how he found a giving God. Listen, that's a story too. That in our obedience to God's promises, we discover His giving. Listen to that again, because it is so true. In God's promises, we discover the giving God through our obedience. God says, Blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it. In other words, receiving follows obedience. Or how about this? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. First, the invitation. And God says, come. And when we obey, we receive. Or how about this? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Once you begin giving, you'll find me a giving God. First comes the obedience, then comes the receiving. Or how about this? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First, there's the invitation and the command. and the, In other words, obedience follows, is followed by God's giving. Or this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and then see if I don't do it. Obedience, giving follows obedience. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. The invitation, the promise, when there's obedience, then there is giving. So all of these promises, you see, require obedience. And sometimes it's hard for us to believe these simple truths, that in these simple promises, in these simple invitations, there's God's blessing. But we have to obey to find the blessing. Well, like Naaman and the young girl in this, you and I, have a caring and a promising God. And in our baptism, in our baptism, we were washed clean of our sin. I pray that as Naaman came out of the water, praising God, and then what it tells us later, he devoted the rest of his life to serving that great God. I pray that the same will be true of us. Amen. Amen.